From the NCHC.TV studios, this is the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Brought to you by Liberty University. Bring your faith and your game to the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast. See us at liberty.edu. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, your hockey superstore with three Valley locations and across the country at BehindTheMask.com. Indiana Tech University. For tickets and schedule information for the two-time ACHA National Champions, go to IndianaTechWarriors.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson for lunch or catering your next office party. We are the best to barbecue Las Vegas style. University of Georgia Hockey. Power school athletic traditions, college town atmosphere, and the building of a program like no other at UGAHockey.com. College Hockey, Inc. Growing the game at the college level and beyond. Adrian College. Championship hockey culture and a nationally rated small private school education at adrianbulldogs.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. With Caesars Rewards, members can enjoy rates as low as $10 a room. Maryville University, the big city style of St. Louis, and a small school education. For more information, visit us at maryvillesaints.com or at maryville.edu. Jets Pizza. Go to jetspizza.com to find the location near you. University of Mary Hockey. Top flight hockey, intense rivalries, and championship aspirations. Schedule and ticket information at goyoumarry.com. The Caesars Sportsbook app. The only app that lets you earn Caesars rewards, but please play responsibly. By FedEx, the official shipping company of Ice Time Hockey West. The American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 podcast is a part of the IceTimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. Well, welcome in, hockey fans. Anybody may be joining us today on the podbean.com network this indeed is college uh, the american collegiate hockey top 20 podcast a little confused scott strandy joining you today from um palm springs california my co-host is always from that beautiful championship city of las vegas nevada where i spent a few days uh last weekend Stephen, how are you i i'm doing well uh you're confused. Aren't you always confused? Yeah, I'm in a state of confusion. <laughs> or California, or Arizona, or Colorado, or Nebraska, or South Dakota, or Minnesota. But not in Arizona, though. <laughs> or Missouri. <laughs> are, you anyway. ready for the, are you ready for the Pineapple Express to <laughs> make its way through California? <laughs> I hear it's on its way. Yeah, we'll, we'll deal with it one one day at a time, one moment at a time, as we will. But lots to talk about today on the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20. You and I um, had the opportunity to watch um, a couple of games in Las Vegas between some top five caliber opponents in Central Oklahoma, who currently, and I'll give away the uh, ranking number 13 right now, Central Oklahoma number three and the UNLV number four, it did not disappoint, did it, Stephen? No, no, it did not. Uh, I, When I saw this schedule come out at the beginning of the year and saw that this matchup was going to take place, uh, as the way the WCHL conference schedule is and everything worked out, it was UCO's turn to come out here to Vegas. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is going to be a very uh, – this could be the biggest 
weekend of the year, at least for, for both these teams, in, in UNLV's case and for Central Oklahoma's case, could be one of the big weekends in the entire ACHA just in terms of matchup because I anticipated both these teams were going to be pretty highly ranked uh, as they have been. And UCO's won the WCHL uh, conference the last couple of seasons. UNLV has been right there with them. Uh, there's been the battles in the national tournament a couple of years ago. There was, uh, you know, and then in, in, in two years ago when they played in Central Oklahoma as well, and then the meeting last year. But these teams have kind of developed a little bit of a heated, bitter rivalry with each other, and bitter it certainly is because still these two teams don't really seem to like each other very much, as we kind of saw as the, the two games went went forth uh, <laughs> at times. It got uh, a little chippy, to say the least, maybe a little bit more than a little chippy. Well, I'm going to say that uh, I, I think when you're a top 10 team, you probably have a little uh, animosity against each other, no matter who it is. But uh, I thought it was really good hockey. I thought it was playoff-style hockey. Um, I want to jump into the top 10 ranking because, again, here I go. Uh, you ready for a rant? Because this computer thing is driving me nuts. Well, you're not happy with the computer? That's a shock. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Might not state number one. Because you're having a little bit of a rant on your NCAA show. I was listening to <laughs> yeah. tonight. And you <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely have that as well. Um, might not state 24, 5, and 0. Um, That's good. Adrian, 22, 2, and 0. Yep. Central Oklahoma, 22, 4, and 0. So far, no problem. Yep. UNLV, 18, 6, and 1. Still no problem. Uh, Liberty, 15, 6, and 1. Eh, I'm getting a little a little edgy here. Ohio, 26 and 3. 26 yeah. and 3. They've moved a uh, few spots. Yep. Uh, Jamestown, 18, 8, and 0. Yeah, they've dropped three spots. They lost a couple uh, of games against Minot State, so they've dropped a couple of spots. Here's where the problem comes in, and not only because I have affection for the Maryville program and Coach John Hogan, but 19, 9, and 1, they beat Ohio. And they went from six to eight. Um, and it's going to be interesting because I recorded a segment with Michael Revere and I asked him um, about the rankings and the, the the importance of the top four now. And I think you're going to find out what he says about that. Um, but Niagara comes in at number uh, 10 or number nine, I'm sorry, at 15, six and one. And then you marry at 19, nine and one. So there's your top 10. I think they're good, but I asked Michael Rivera this. I said, how how do you climb above Adrian and Minot State? They seem like we have that locked down, and what can you do to climb above it? And you'll hear his comments in the second half of the show. But it was interesting, I thought, um, to do that. And I feel the same way for UNLV and for Liberty and for Maryville. How do you climb above these teams? Yeah, I, I don't know how you do I'll. I'll look up the uh, the full poll average that the uh, ACHA M1 uh, social media account put out, and you look at the uh, the averages right now. So you've got uh, Central uh, Minot State and Adrian have an average of one and a half. That that's how they're one and two. So they're basically you know I mean it it's it could be Adrian could flip and and Minot State could. So I mean it's those two teams are neck and neck. So I mean it's it's possible that Adrian could still flip Minot State. Minot State could be. Stay number one, so uh, they're they're right there. But then you got Central Oklahoma, who's staying at three. They have three in both of the polls, and then they're at uh, three is their average. And then uh, UNLV is at four and a half. And then Liberty, Ohio, and Jamestown are all six. So I mean that could be that that could change 
easily. So I mean, those teams could all flop with each other. But but you've got a you've got a one and a half point average uh, between number four and number f- number five. So that that's kind of tough if you think about it. And then then it's a point and a half between UNLV and Central Oklahoma. And uh, UNLV helped themselves by winning a game against Central Oklahoma. I didn't think they – I actually didn't think they would probably – because the way the, the, the rankings are, just because it's so tight between that top five, that they wouldn't move anywhere. But because Jamestown lost a couple of games, it did open the opportunity for UNLV to, to jump a spot. But um, at this point of the season, and especially these teams as good as they are, they're not losing too many games. And it's just going to be very tough. Uh, to really move around too much in that top five um, or in the top four. And, uh, and let me let me just interject this. Um, the the fact that the parity is there, we love the parity. We love to see teams, uh, a bunch of teams competing for a championship. We want to think that all 24 teams that are in the tournament, when that's decided, uh, have a chance to win. That's what you want. But I, I see some frustration, I think, from – and Michael admitted this too. He said, you know, I'm not really sure on the top four. I don't know if we, you know, it used to be that when you were in the top four, you were going to have that day off in 24 hours and the national tournament means everything. But is that still the same? And are there advantages for five through eight now? I was just going to bring that up because, yes, the format's going to be a little bit different this year because you have the extra four teams that are going to be in. Than in the past, you know, you used to have 20 teams. Now it's going to be 24 teams. So obviously that means more games. There's going to be more matchups. In fact, if you look at the threat continuing from the the, the, the hypothetical matchups that the, the ACHAM1's uh, X account puts up, I mean, it's now you're going to have, you know, it used to be one through four would play, would have to play a winner of a previous matchup, like a 13 through 20 seeds would play, and then they would play the one through four teams. But now the five, uh, you know, five seeds are going to play, the w- five is going to play the winner of a 12 and a 21. So you're going to have a f- number five team is going to play a team that had already has, has played a game. So the, and then is there going to be a day in between for those? So yeah, is one as far as critical as before? It may not be now because if you're five through eight, you're probably going to be, you're, you're probably going to have that same, same advantage because you've got the four extra teams that are in, which is great because there's more hockey involved, there's more games, there's um, you know more teams an opportunity to, to, to compete and, and play for for the title, but uh, yeah, it may not it may not matter uh, all that much. Uh, being in the top four it may not be as much of an advantage. Uh, it's still an advantage because you you're gonna. But is it that much of it? Because used to the five through twelve seeds used to not have to play till the Saturday of when it started, and then but and then but now I'm sure maybe that's a little bit earlier. So. Well, I think that's um, you know, that's I, what everybody's waiting to see is like Michael stressed the fact that one through four, there were two big advantages. Number one, you got that day off in between. Right. So you got a 24-hour rest period, which he said was very vital. Yeah. Secondly was he likes the opportunity to have the last change. He said that's really the only thing a coach can do is to influence anything on the game when the game starts is – by having the last change for matchups. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. A lot of coaches don't say that, that that's, or, you know, they believe it, they know how to do it, all of that stuff, but they don't come out and say how critical that is. But Michael believes that's extremely critical. And he thought the same thing playing on the road, um, like at UNLV, he thought that was a, a critical thing uh, for UNLV to be able to have the, the last change 
um, when you're two evenly matched teams. So, anyway, let's go with, uh, eleven through. Uh, well, and 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 I want to follow up with with the Maryville thing. I didn't quite get there, but their 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 average is seven point five between the two. Uh, with, between the two with the poll average, so that's about a point and a half less than Jamestown. So and and Ohio and Liberty. So I mean, if if somehow Maryville could get that average to be a little bit better and be and be six, and some of these other teams dropped, I mean, there's there's still the potential for for Maryville to jump into that five through seven cluster. So I mean, it's it's very tight. And then it kind of well, drops it, off a little bit. Niagara's nine and a half, so that's two gap difference and then it kind of draw and then you get to the middle half but but yeah that's it's there's like the five through five through uh seven five six and seven all have the same average so that that's you know basically those teams could be interchangeable but then uh, a couple teams are one and a half average uh less or or more than other teams so it's it's very tight but uh, at this point in the season because there's only three weekends left before the final rankings come out uh, it's really going to be tough, I think, to see too much movement. But there is still potential for movement in the lower part of the the, the rankings. But the upper part, um, I just, I mean, UNLV was the, I, I told, I said this is probably their biggest opportunity for them uh, to move up. And, and yeah, this, the teams in the front have to still win. So UNLV had a great weekend. They have to follow it up with with a great, with another strong showing in Utah, which they're going to be this weekend. They can have a letdown if they do, then that might open up the door for. Uh, for Liberty, Ohio, or Jamestown to maybe uh, surpass them because, uh, you know, they have good weekends. So. Well, my, my thought was this. Maryville beat Ohio once. I think they split the weekend series. Um, they're 19-9-1. They were ranked number six last week. Now they dropped to eight. What did they do to fall two spots? And what, what would happen if they – here's the critical thing. With the 24 teams now, if they fall out of the top eight, that significantly changes their matchups and everything else. And the team is 19-9-1. and one. It's not like they're a bad hockey team. <laughs> you know, and the same with, with you, Mary, 19-9-1 and one, and played stellar competition. So, you know, uh, that's the frustration I have. And I'm not saying that other people haven't played good competition or anything of the sort, but it just seems like it's so jumbled near the top that, it's a big deal now if you're one through eight versus it used to be one through four. And maybe it still is one through four. Is that important? But, boy, uh, it, it seems to me eight, nine, and ten are critical spots because if you're eight, you're good. If you're nine and ten, uh, it's a different road to the championship. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, – it's going to be very – uh, interesting. I'm looking right now to find. Uh, so right now, if you're, if you were number nine, um, you're gonna play. You would have to play the number uh, twenty-four team, and which right, which right now number nine would be Niagara, and then the uh, number four, twenty-four team would be Oswego, and then uh, the winner of that game would then have to play uh, the number eight team, Maryville. So that would be the, the that would be the traditional uh, eight-nine in that in that case. But uh, yeah, and then and then Jamestown would be number seven right now, and they would play the winner, uh, hypothetically right now, if it were to start this week, uh, the winner of Mary, and uh, which is 10, and then the number 23 team, which is um, which is Westchester. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big difference. I mean, you go from being a six team and having to uh, – but then you're playing uh, – you could be playing a team that's, 
either uh, it could be good for you. It could be, but I mean, yeah, the matchups would be different because if it were to go chalk, I mean, you could play. If you're the eight team, you could play the nine team if they end up winning. If they end up winning their game, uh, but even if they got upset and they play the twenty four team, okay, that's actually beneficial because you could play the lowest seeded team left. But then, but then you might have to play the number one team after that if the number one team is still in and and there hasn't been any upset. So that 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 would make it uh, would make it really tough. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think this twenty four team, uh, since it's new and everything, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and and in the it's with the brackets and stuff, but. Uh, it, I think uh, with with the uns, I, it's not that it's uncertainty about what what it'll look like, but I think we teams now have an idea of how it's gonna go. But but uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, since it's a new thing with twenty four teams and stuff, I guess it's a little bit of uh, we're not sure until we see it happen. Uh, yeah, so. that that's for sure. Okay, let me quickly get through the top twenty five. And then we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the women's side because there's a new number one on the women's side too. And then the second half of the show, we'll get into uh, the interview with Michael Rivera and some comments from his goaltender on the weekend that you got and some comments I got from head coach Anthony Vigneri Greener um, after the UNLV win. So here we go. 11, Purdue Northwest. 12 is Pittsburgh. 13 is Calvin. The Arizona Wildcats responded, Stephen. Three wins this weekend. Got them up to 11-10-1 in the number 14 spot. They've moved up three spots from 17. Yes, they have, and that's important as well for Arizona to kind of secure that uh, bid and then see where the chips fall. Um, Illinois State at 15. Grand Valley State at 16. How about those Utah Utes? 12-8-1. They're at 17. Yeah, they've dropped a spot. They did drop a spot, but they're still hanging in there. And like I said, um, they, have, they have a big weekend, too. They, they're hosting UNLV this weekend, so that's going to be a chance for them to really jump leap them if they can somehow steal a win or two wins from them. And if they lose a couple of games to them, it could also affect them in the negative way. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's probably their biggest games left on their schedule. I haven't looked at their full schedule, but there's only three weekends left of games that, that will count towards the rankings. And uh, I think their last weekend they – it was a couple of crazy games, but uh, but yeah, I think it's a big weekend for them coming up. And Michael Rivera said he will be playing Missouri State, who's number 18. Uh, Indiana Tech, a really good team at 19. 20 is Delaware. 21 is Iowa State, which is still confusing me. Um, Oklahoma, 10-9-2 is at 22. Colorado is 23 at 9-9-2. And, and then uh, two newcomers. 24 and 25 or Indiana, Pennsylvania at 17, 6 and 2. And you're on my Grand Canyon. Canyon. Yeah, Grand Canyon sneaks in at yeah. 11, 13 and that, 1. That's an interesting um, one to me. I mean, they, they're they 11, 13 and 1, and they, they sneak into the top 25. If they could climb a few spots, you might be seeing Danny Roy and company playing a game in national tournaments. So that yeah, would, there you go. That, that would be, be a big step in their program. That would be, be a first time for them, I think. In that, it would uh, be. So that it would, would be. be. Uh, that would be exciting. I think that's the, the I think that's the maybe the, the the part of the design of having the twenty four teams. Um, obviously, we've talked about this before, but you know how do you try to get more teams involved, but not oversaturating it. We see this all the time with other things like we want to add more playoff teams. Is it going to oversaturate? A lot of times in the pro sports, of course, it's all about money and stuff. In this case, it may be a little bit of actually have more teams have an opportunity to come out and play. So obviously more teams are going to travel. There will be more families that may come out and watch watch their teams play. They have an opportunity to watch their, their kids play in game, these kind of games. So there's that part of it. Uh, but it is it is nice. it is a great opportunity for, for more teams to get 
get that chance and like a team like uh grand canyon or colorado oklahoma right now that are they're on the cusp but you right now you would look at those 21 through 25 or even 18 19 and 20 and think those were probably teams that were on are on the bubble at least 18 19 20 but now they're probably there's going to be securely in but then teams that are 25 24 23 you'd say are are outside the picture are kind of in the picture right now there's 24 teams get in now we have to mention these there's always the few auto bids that come from um league champs that a lot of times yeah, usually teams two or three right teams that are ranked lower than the the 25 but they'll get a spot in the tournament so that usually bumps one of those you know 24 23 uh, ranked teams uh out in this case this year so um, so Grand Canyon right now, which wouldn't even be in the conversation, is kind of in the conversation. I mean, it's kind of interesting that they went from not ranked to, to bumped up to uh, to 25. So, I mean, they're barely in. It's it's still a long shot. I would think that they, they may get a spot. But if they have a couple of good good weekends and, you know, the computer is as funky as it can be, maybe maybe they uh, – uh, <laughs> Well, you're being nice to the computer. <laughs> but saying it's funky. I mean, I mean, Grand, okay. Ca- I mean Grand Canyon is um, – they were 27, so they moved up a couple of spots. They're 26th is their average. Uh, their Indiana, Pennsylvania is also 26 with their average. Colorado at 23 is 25, so they're it's close. And then you have to go to Oklahoma, that's 23 and a half, so that's a little bit of a of a gap there. That's that's a 22, and even that uh, that might be that might be like the final spot of the ranked teams. Uh, yeah, I agree. Depends on how many auto bids. So I mean, it's. And that's another team, Oklahoma, who hadn't been in it for a couple of years. They're right there, and they might get a spot in after not, you know, as, as they've kind of getting things turned around after a rough year last year. So that, that my, my point in all this is the beauty of it is having more teams in without oversaturating it where it's too, too dragged out and everything because it's, it's, you do have to get it through. In a, in a, and having the location in St. Louis, which, which it's going to be for a little bit, and the ability to have Maryville, which we found out when you talked to John Hogan, they're going to have a few – overflow games uh, you know if you call it that or have a few of the the games there um so besides i think it's gonna sound like there's gonna be some games going on at the same time so that that's there, there'll be a little bit of that but but that's not too bad because you know the center yep. all those rinks it can it could have all these games with all these divisions and then be the ability to to, to expand it for more teams and have a, a an extra four games or whatever you would have to play and the ability to have to use Maryville for a few free games is, is not too bad because they're not that far away from, from the main stuff. So uh, that all that's a good thing. So Yep, uh, I agree. how it plays out. Okay, let's uh, take a quick break. Let's come back, talk the women's side, and then let's jump into what we witnessed and hear from the coaches from last weekend, the coaches and a goaltender, by the way. We'll be right back. Championship pedigree, world-class coaching, First-class facilities are all a part of the ACHA experience at Adrian College. The Bulldogs look to raise their third national championship banner in the last five years at Arrington Ice Arena, one of the best facilities in all college hockey. With a big school hockey feel, all of the educational advantages of a private education. For more information, go to adrianbulldogs.com or adrian.edu. University of Arizona Wildcats return to the Tucson Arena September 29th. Join the tradition and become a part of the legacy of hockey in the old Pueblo. 
Cheer on your five-time Cactus Cup champions as the Wildcats pursue a national championship after a promising off-season of key roster additions. Visit ArizonaWildcatHockey.org for schedule and ticket information and follow us on social media. Bear down and rise up. For a small campus setting with a big campus varsity hockey program? Located in the heart of the Ozarks, Springfield, Missouri, Drury University Hockey is the new game in town. The beautiful Jordan Valley Ice Park, located less than a mile from the Drury campus, is the home of Panthers Hockey, including a newly renovated full-time locker room space. Drury University offers over 80 undergraduate majors and programs and nine graduate programs with an average class size of just 19 students. Go beyond and become a part of a bright future for Drury Panthers Hockey. Visit drurypanthers.com and drury.edu for more information. Looking to extend your hockey career at a high level? Then the University of Georgia could be the place for you. Ice Dogs Hockey is an NCAA-style experience and championship culture combined with classic rivalries, big-time athletics, and an elite academic institution. Go to UGAHockey.com to start your journey and see if you can continue to help build a limitless future ahead for University of Georgia Hockey. Looking to find the right place to fit your academic needs with a chance to play championship-level college hockey? Then Indiana Tech could just be that place. In less than a decade, the Warriors have played for two national championships, appeared in the last four national tournaments, and won six regular season and conference tournaments. Off the ice, majors in not just the tech fields, but communications, criminal justice, and more can get your career off to that same kind of championship start. For more information, visit us online at indianatechwarriors.com or at indianatech.edu. Looking to continue building on a successful first season at the ACHA W1 level, Lake Superior State starts its second season in the CCWHA, a season that included having three academic All-Americans. If this is the kind of tradition that you are interested in help building as a player or support off the ice, then visit us at women's D1 LSSUACHAHockey.com and see if the school rated Michigan's most affordable university is for you. Lake Superior State Women's Hockey, the small school advantage with the big hockey culture built in. Play at the premier ACHA D1 men's program on the East Coast and prepare yourself for life and career at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Sellout crowds, top competition, and championship aspirations await you on our picturesque campus with state-of-the-art facilities, gifted faculty, and over 700 programs of study to help you make an impact on and off the ice as well as your community training as a champion for Christ. Your faith in yourself and your beliefs are equally as strong. See if Liberty Hockey and Liberty University is right for you. Visit us at liberty.edu. New challenges, new level, 
same quest. Join us at the University of Mary for the 2023-24 hockey season as the two-time ACHA M2 champions bring that championship pedigree to the M1 level. Watch the Marauders take on rivals Minot State, Jamestown University, and national powers Missouri State, Illinois State, and Colorado State as they look to add to their hockey legacy. Head to GoYouMary.com to find out how you can support University of Mary Hockey. If you are thinking of joining a growing power to continue playing high-level college hockey, then Lake Superior State's ACHA M2 program could be right for you. In just two seasons under head coach Steve Canisto, the Lakers M2 team continues its drive towards a national tournament bid, coming off the program's best season ever. For information about playing in this hockey-focused community, or if you're just interested in schedule and ticket information, visit our website at lssuachahockey.com. At some schools, winning the national championship is the goal. For Liberty's women's hockey program, it's the expectation. Winners of the last five national championships, Liberty women's hockey is the ACHA W1 standard. Be a part of the championship legacy on or off the ice with a first-class education, as well as serving your faith, community, and your game by visiting us at liberty.edu. Welcome back to another segment of ITHSW Podcast's American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Indeed, it is the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Palm Springs, California. My co-host, as always, from Las Vegas, Nevada, Stephen Marsh. Um, Stephen, uh, we talked about the men's rankings. The women also have some rankings in the W1 uh, postings. So let's get to those real quick because we've got a lot of stuff to cover in the second half of the show. We're running a little late here. But uh, what did you see when you saw the W1 rankings? Well, the one thing that sticks out is that Midland has overtook Liberty as the uh, number one team. So there's a new, you know, Liberty's like the powerhouse uh, women's uh, division one team. And the uh, and Midland is now the uh, the number one team. So um, what happened is a lot of these, these teams played each other. Uh, in St. Louis, actually, at at, uh, at MCH uh, League, they played uh, a weekend full of games against league opponents. The the Warriors, uh, Midland went two and zero this weekend with with wins over Jamestown, who's ranked number ten, and then the University of Minnesota, which was ranked uh, number thirteen. Uh, Liberty uh, also was in St. Louis as well. They went three and zero on the weekend over with wins over McKindry and Lindenwood and Maryville, and then Mar- Maryville uh, is is at number five. So, um, you know, not really a whole lot of, of surprises. Uh, I think other than, you know, Midland be, being Liberty and, and those teams could alternate again before the national tournament on the women's side, uh, takes place. But, uh, yeah, Adrian three, might not say four, Maryville five, Michigan six, McKendry seven, Indiana tech eight, Michigan Dearborn nine, Jamestown 10, Arizona state 11, Niagara 12, Minnesota 13, Lindenwood 14 and Miami, uh, 15.
so we look at that. Um, I don't know if Scott was going to get in there or not. He's muted. But uh, anyways, yeah. So uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah, Stephen. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize I was muted. But, yeah, I said it's uh, it's interesting with the five-time defending champions from um, Liberty having to maybe do a little work to get that number one ranking back. And yeah. who knows what's going to happen in the tournament, right? Well, I think – and if I'm not mistaken, I think if you're number one, you already you already get to go – into the semifinals or you know it's kind of it's or at least in the quarter so it's a little bit of an easier easier path so you you want to be one of those those higher seeds i'd have to i have to really study the 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 um the format the for the the women's well you got a month (laughs) (laughs) a little over a month i mean i think i know that there's there's a (laughs) i know there's a there's a best of there's a double elimination part of it i think for some of the teams but i think if you're like the if you like the one or the two teams, I, number one and number two team, I think you already get to go all the way to the, the quarterfinal round. I think, or maybe it's even the semifinal round, and and, and you you play whoever's left of the of the knockout. I don't know. I have to look at it, but like I said, you got about uh, five <laughs> weeks. <laughs> all right, let's take one more quick break. Let's come back and let's hear from Michael Rivera, Anthony Vigneri, Greener, and uh, Doug Wakeland. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Looking for the big school college hockey experience in a small school setting? Then Maryville University, located in St. Louis, Missouri, could be for you. Fielding five teams across all divisions of the ACHA since 2018 and playing just minutes from campus in the 1,000-plus seat Maryville University Hockey Center, the Saints enjoy a first-class athletic experience as they compete against ACHA powers like Ohio, Liberty, Minot State, and Illinois State. For more information about all things Maryville, visit maryville.edu. Looking for the big school college... Experience the best of academics and athletics at Minot State University. At Minot State, we're not just a team. We're a family united by passion and determination. Achieve your academic goals while thriving in a supportive community. With a commitment to excellence both on and off the ice, we're shaping leaders with an 11 to 1 student-faculty ratio, over 1,200 scholarships awarded annually, and in-state tuition for all students. Experience education that goes beyond textbooks, propelling you towards a brighter future. Join Minot State University and be part of a legacy of success. Discover your potential at Minot State. Learn more at MinotStateU.edu. Minot State University. Be seen, be heard, be you. Women's hockey is one of the fastest growing sports in the country. And at Maryville University in St. Louis, having two ACHA women's teams allows young women to continue to play top-level hockey. Maryville Women's Hockey aligns with the university's core values to provide opportunities for growth as a player, as well as the sport. The Maryville University Hockey Center is the place to get a first-class hockey experience and is just minutes from campus. For more information on Maryville Women's Hockey, go online to maryvillesaints.com. As a premier ACHA M1 university, UNLV offers a unique chance to play college hockey. 
experience of pro setting in Hockey Mad Las Vegas, well, you earn your degree in any of our over 300 majors in one of the world's destination cities. If this sounds right for you, then visit us at rebelhockey.com to get your future started today. When you put on that Central Oklahoma Broncos jersey, you represent a championship culture on the ice and in the classroom. Two-time ACHA M1 National Champions, four-time WCHL Champions, and named a Best in the West College by U.S. News and World Report, UCO hits all of the benchmarks for an elite college hockey experience. Our Edmond, Oklahoma campus, which is just minutes from downtown Oklahoma City, has over 100 areas of study and over 200 student organizations to help you find your fit. Whether it's our stunning 210-acre campus or our NCAA-level hockey environment, go to uco.edu or ucohockey.com and see if Oklahoma's Metropolitan University is for you. When you... Welcome back to another segment of ITHSW Podcast's American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Indeed it is, the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Scott Strandy still with you from Palm Springs, California. My co-host as always, Stephen Marsh from Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, we already talked about the big matchup last weekend in your backyard. And uh, I had a chance to visit with the uh, head coach from UCO, uh, do a little feature with them. So. Uh, let me uh, jump in and play Michael Rivera. And um, hold on one second here, if I can get it geared up while you take us away. Yeah, so I also had a chance to talk to Michael Rivera after the uh, the game with uh, UNLV and and put that on our uh, on our X account. But uh, you know, when I talked to him after the the game, you know, after after their win on Friday, they were ta- he was talking about. And maybe you'll have similar things with, with your conversation about how important those games with UNLV were on their schedule, uh, as we talked about at the beginning of the year and uh, beginning of the show, talked about how important those games were and, and how the games were almost like a tournament uh, tournament feel. And, and a, it was a, a raucous environment. It was a hostile environment is what I'm looking for. And that they were just – that they were able to kind of get that win on, uh, you know, and that they were calm and that they'd been in these experiences before, you know, they, it was a zero zero game until late in the, into the third period where they finally broke through and, and won the game two nothing. And, uh, they didn't, they didn't panic. They just kind of continued their, the goaltending played outstanding, standing the whole weekend, but really the, the Friday game is particularly and was able to get a shutout. All right. I've got Michael queued up. Let's, uh, let's jump in. All right, welcome in, hockey fans, to another uh, edition, another episode of the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Scott Strandy with you today from Southern California. But I'm going to Central Oklahoma to visit with the head coach of the Broncos, Roll Chose, Michael Rivera. Michael, how are you today? Doing well, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing real well. Well, we ran into each other in Vegas last weekend. So first of all, let's start right there. How was the trip? What did you think of the performance? And to me, it looked like playoff hockey. Yes, sir. It was it was a great trip, you know, getting all the way out west like that. Um, when you got a conference game that is, you know, over a 
so he's got to fly out there. Uh, speaks to the volumes of how difficult our conference can be regarding the travel, and it makes for a good experience for the guys. And you know, we get out there, we split the weekend. Uh, it's a top five matchup. Both games were very tight. Not a lot of room for error. We made uh, they made two more mistakes than us on Friday, and we made one more mistake than them on Saturday. Okay, I I saw the Saturday game. Steven saw the uh, the um, first game. It looked to me like, like I said, it was a playoff series. But you guys look like you're uh, you're rocking and rolling. Are you at the point in the season right now where you want to be? I I'm happy with where we are currently. However, I think that there's still some more juice to squeeze out of this one. Um, we were missing a couple guys due to injury this past weekend that um, I feel make our lineup better. And it's that time of year where everybody's a little up and so you try to get everybody healthy by nationals um and i'd like to see us perform in an environment like that with our with our best lineup and really um see it all kind of come together and so you know like i said i just think there's more juice to squeeze out of this group um that'll happen monday through thursday in practices and with the remaining uh, games that we have left and hopefully we what you saw this past weekend in las vegas we can be you know Okay, so when you look at the way that you're playing right now and the style that you play, you can play any style, I think, can't you? You can you can be offensive if you need to be. You can be defensive if you need to be. Is that kind of the way the guys are uh, are instructed during the week? Is to or, or how I don't want to say this correctly. Or do you put out the Broncos style and that's what you try to play night in and night out? Yeah, I think. I think that we're you know, we're capable of scoring goals and, and we're capable of keeping it close. I think that ideally when we're playing our best hockey, um, the way that our guys are taught to play, we are minimizing turnovers and minimizing offensive opportunities. And that's not necessarily saying that we minimize zone time, um, defensive zone time. So me and the other team might have possession in our own zone, but if we're keeping them to the outside and we're doing a good job blocking shots and minimizing high-quality opportunities, Opportunities, uh, that would be considered Bronco hockey to us. And so we're very comfortable in a 0-0-1-0-2-0 hockey game. Um, you know, we, we are capable of winning the big, you know, we've had a couple this year where we've won 8-4. Um, that's not, uh, to me, tournament hockey. When you're giving up four goals against, um, that's not going to be sustainable throughout the tournament. And so I like to see the goals against down as much as possible. And if we only score one to win the game, then so be it. Um, ultimately, it's about keeping the puck out of our net. Yeah, well, let's go right there. Doug Wakeland was really impressive again. Is he the mainstay for you, and how good has he been for you? Oh, oh, Doug, he was amazing this past weekend. Um, that was one of the best performances that I've seen in this league um, in a couple years, uh, You know, going back to probably the 21-22 run when uh, Kelch was, was on fire for that tournament. Um you know, Dougie's been really dialed this season. We have a lot of depth at goaltending, and so he has not played the volume games that you would see from a prototypical number one in this league um, because we spread it out a little bit. Luckily, we have that um, that luxury, and it left the competition wide open, and I think that the depth at goaltending that we do have currently, it's, it's brought the best out of everyone and elevated you know, Dougie to another level, and we saw that this weekend. 
Okay, let's talk about depth across the uh, ACHA, especially at the M1 level. When when you look at uh, the top 10, maybe the top tip 15, Michael, you, you can kind of interchange the pieces. I know the top three or four are pretty solid, but, boy, the competition is really good this year, isn't it? Sure is. There's, I think the parity's never been better in ACHA Division One. Um, at least not in the last in the past couple years. Um, you know, you on the weekend, you know, given our conference, we can match up on any given weekend within anywhere from fifteen to you know twenty five to even maybe thirty. And the difference between the two is it's very minimal. You know, from let's say a fifteen to a twenty five, we're talking marginal. Um, and it's about who can play the, the most consistent hockey, I think, it is who's finding themselves in the rankings, which ultimately that's that's how you got to win national championship. But, um, you know, we go into Missouri State this weekend, and, and we're playing a number 18 Missouri State, and that's a tough matchup. That's an extremely tough matchup at number 18, even though we are the number three team in the country. Um, you know, make no mistake about it, that number 18 team is a good team, and that is going to be potentially a first-round matchup for us, something in that ballpark right there, and so we got to be ready to go. Okay, you talk about the top three right now. It's really hard to crack through and get past Adrian and get past uh, Minot State, and I know you know those teams pretty well, but w- what can you do or is there anything you can do to uh, climb past teams that just don't lose? You know, there's, there's not... There's not a lot you can do. I mean, ultimately, if you want to be if you want to be a top one or two in the rankings and get past those teams, it comes down to you got to win the games that you're supposed to win and win them by a good margin, and then you got to win some games that maybe you shouldn't win. Um, so, meaning on the road against UNLV, you know, picking up that sweep. You know, earlier this year we had an opportunity against Jamestown and we laid an egg on the weekend. Um, those opportunities, those those big top ten matchups, you can't you can't fumble the bag on those. You have to you have to execute and you have to get those wins. And ultimately, that's why those teams are one and two because you see them win those big series. Um, you know, a split to them is probably few and far between, and then they come out the weekend with two wins all the time. Okay, we're getting closer and closer to uh, a national tournament. It's a little bit earlier. We've already talked about the fact that it's back in St. Louis, and I know you like that. But uh, aside from that, the additional four teams that were added, um, your thoughts on that, and does it change how you approach um, where you want to be in the seating? It, it doesn't change anything for where we want to be in the seating. Our goal is always to be the highest ranked team that we can be coming into the tournament. Ultimately, if you can have the last change a little bit longer in the tournament, you increase your chances of, of winning hockey games. And um, so that's that's always been our goal. Um, you know, when you look at the, the change in the tournament structure going to 24 teams, what I, I, I'm personally in favor of it. I think it's a great addition. Um, one more teams into the tournament, and I think that's great for the league. And... Two, you know, what you really saw a lot of every single year, and you can make the argument that, you know, you can push it farther and farther, but effectively what I've seen in the past couple of years is teams getting bumped by auto bids that are worthy of being in the tournament. And, you know, I've had this conversation with other coaches, and, you know, like I mentioned, like a Utah last year getting bumped from the tournament. Um, and the question to me was, well, if Utah's in the tournament, is it a better tournament? 
And while you can't guarantee that, what I know is that we played that Utah team last year and they split with us and gave us two really strong games as a number 16 going in the tournament. And they have that capability. And so when those teams are getting left out, to me, ultimately, the tournament isn't at the best that it can be. And those kinds of teams can sneak out big wins. And I think that you'll see a little bit more March Madness with the addition of a couple teams. Okay, that sounds uh, that sounds good. I know you like St. Louis, um, shorter travel, uh, and nothing to take away from Boston. But uh, how excited are you to be back in St. Louis? I couldn't be happier. Um, let's take everything away from Boston. I have no desire to spend that kind of money to go that far for the national tournament. You know, as I just mentioned, we had to take a fly trip for a conference game. So for us to be able to reduce the budget um, by having national seat to be even closer makes. You know, a big difference for us to be able to play a more competitive schedule throughout the season, um, not having to save for that big tournament. And then on top of that, you know, while Boston itself is a great city, um, I think St. Louis is more apt to hosting a national tournament. It's more convenient for teams. It's easier access and um, the facilities. I think the facilities are, are significantly better than what we were in in Boston. Okay, fair enough. Um, so as you look ahead and the schedule that's ahead of you right now, are you happy with your strength of schedules building up to the tournament? I am. I think we did a good job this year building our schedule. You know, we, when you look at the rankings, you know, we have two games against the Jamestown, four games against the Maryville, those are top 10 teams, six and seven. And then you have, um, you know, two games against you know, uh, against UNLV, that's a top five team. And then the rest of our conference, I mean, our side of the conference, the eastern side of the WCHL, um, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that our side would be ranked higher, I, uh, to be honest with you, I would not have believed you. Um, but the way things have worked out, and, those, and credit, all credit to those coaches and those organizations for, you know, doing the work in the summer and doing the work on the day-to-day to elevate their programs and and put them all in the top 25 and last year at this time we were playing you know the university of colorado and um they were down and this year they take us to two overtime games and and you know they played really good hockey games against us and so you love to see that in the conference and so the higher up our our guys are on our side of the conference i'm happy because it just improves our strength of schedule and it gets our guys ready to go Okay, I'm glad you mentioned the conference again because I know, I think anyway, how important winning that conference championship is to you and the Broncos. Am I correct on that? Always, always. Okay, so you're you're putting in the work to win that. Uh, is there a stepping stone, Michael, for winning the national championship? Does winning the conference tournament, uh, I mean the conference uh, overall, uh, is that the first step? in your mind to winning a national championship or, you know, doesn't it really matter in the, in the big scheme of things? The reality is, is that it truly does not matter because no matter whether you win, I mean, we've won the conference the past few years and have not won a national championship. And so, you know, ultimately it, it is a regular season trophy and, um, and that's not to take anything away from the conference championship because it is a significant accomplishment when you look at, you know, our standings, and in order to win our conference, you really can only lose maybe a game, if if that, you know, with, with throughout the, the year. You know, last year we could only lose one to win the conference. This year we've only lost one so far. We'll see how things shake out. But what I, where I see the value, and, you know, given that we don't have a conference tournament, that playoff style, 
where I see a ton of value is because there is such little margin for error, what you have is a lot of pressure on every single weekend to win. There's no nights off. You know, you take junior hockey, for example, and, um, you know, you lose a regular season game against a team you shouldn't, shouldn't lose to, it, it doesn't significantly impact your place in the standings, um, and ultimately you're going to have a playoff series where, you know, in college hockey, we lose one game on a weekend and, and the stakes and the cost of it are, are much more significant. It could be one loss, one bad game costs you the conference, one bad game hurts your rank significantly. Um, and so having that kind of pressure every single weekend helps prepare the team because what we've been talking about since you know the start of the semester is, look, we're heavy conference the rest of the year. It is tournament hockey from here on out because we cannot lose. Therefore, that is exactly how it will be in the tournament. And so you have that kind of to compare against and kind of to as almost like a trial run throughout the season. Okay, getting back to the conference and last weekend in particular, Anthony Vigneri Greener told me after Saturday night's game that he thought that might have been the best weekend his team played in eight years. Did it feel that way? And does that really help you prepare for a tournament uh, when you have a weekend series like that? Absolutely. I think that UNLV played uh, terrific over the weekend. And they, you know, they're a different-looking team than they have been in the past. Um, and that's, that's a positive thing when you play a team like that. Um, especially with the circumstances on Saturday, right? I mean, let's let's be transparent here. We blew, we blew a two-goal lead in a game that we had. You know, we were in the driver's seat, and his team fights back to to win the game. And and what that allows right there is for me to break down the film and look at look at our team and say, hey, look, here's you know these turnovers that we had throughout the game. You play with fire, you're going to get burned against a team like that. And you know we had to pay the price because of it. So it's not a loss if you learn. I'm a big uh, proponent of you shouldn't have to lose to learn, but unfortunately, um, it looks like we did, and hopefully we did learn from that and going into the tournament. Now we know, you know, you're up. It means nothing if you don't if you don't take care of the puck and continue to play the same way, and we didn't do that, and that's what cost us the game. Okay, we talked about the conference. We talked about how strong it is and uh, how well teams are playing, but in the national tournament, is one through four still the most important spots to be? Or is there, uh, now that there's more teams, not quite as much importance on being one through four? You know, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you, Scott, and to openly admit, I do not know the way the national schedule is breaking down. It's something that I need to look at. Um, being a top four team, because in the past, which what the value of being top four in the past, what's it's always had is that day off. Right. right? assuming you get through that first round and then you get the day off and 24 hours of rest is significant in that tournament to just have the legs to get things done um, in addition to that last change. And so I truly don't know off the top of my head whether we have that day off or not. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, Gary, Gary Stahl said, Adrian, he texted me earlier this year and he said, this is the year we go to 24 teams in the national tournament. And I said, yeah, I didn't know that either. Like, we both like, we both just kind of, like, when all those when all the meetings were happening, we had just gone back from Romania, and we were kind of just aloof to what was going on. And I think the two of us just didn't really think about that too much. And so um, if we're given that day off, being top four is extremely important. If we're not given a day off, then to be completely honest, it, it, the value of the top four 
produces. But ultimately, again, going back to like the last change scenario, as a coach, you want that because it's, you feel like it's your way of controlling, having an impact on the game from the bench. All right. A um, couple final ones for you. When you look at your roster right now, uh, how are you health-wise at this point in the year? And who's standing out to you? Who's made the difference for you? I know your goaltending is solid, but, boy, your offense and your defense, it, you're just a complete package. Yeah, so we, you know, we're banged up a little bit right now, right? We were missing um, an Andre Blaha this past weekend. He's really elevated his game. You know, he's been a 30-goal scorer in this league before and has been having a good year and he's been having some knee issues and we we're missing a Carter Eha, um, who is a big body down low. He creates tons of space, can bring offense, kinda of, you know, he plays all three uh, all three components of the game with special teams and regular uh, regular strength and um, but you know, throughout the year who's really who's really stood out this year has been, you know, if I had to pick one guy it'd be Sam Sykes, you know, he's he's a guy who he does it all, um, plays all three components of the game, defensively responsible. I've moved him from, he can clock it down as a center. He can play, he can play wing for you um, and get a little bit more offense coming off the wall. You know, he's a five on three guy for me. He does it all. And if you look at the numbers this year, they speak for themselves. Um, I think that even at this point right now, to me, there's no question. He's the MVP of the WCHL. He's putting the puck in the net every single night for us, um, making a huge difference. And so he's had a really hot year. Obviously, Doug Wakeland, you saw that performance this past weekend. Um, with Even with the limited games that he's played, uh, you know, just because of the, the split, you know, that performance was exceptional. And so he's really elevated to another level. And then, you know, I could go up and down my roster, but, you know, you take a kid like Zach Ware, he does it all. He's putting the puck in the net. That's Sam Sykes, you know. That's his uh, counterpart right there on his line. They've been playing the other couple years. And then on the back end, I got four seasoned veterans that are really holding it down for us. And Cooper Krause, Artem Shura, J.C. Dubecki, uh, Davenport, and, you know, those four guys, they log a ton of minutes for us. And when you have a experienced, savvy decor on the back end, it, it really helps you win hockey games. Okay, we'll let you go on this one. I appreciate your time as always. Um the Broncos, explain to our listeners who maybe are have their heads in the sand, what about Bronco honky, hockey makes it special? Because I heard people in UNLV today seeing you for the first time out there going like, oh, UCO, is that Colorado? Who is it? And I'm going like, man, you guys got to uh, wake up here a little bit because this team is a real, real hockey program, even though you're a very small school in the cent- uh, central part of Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, small brand, uh, Small brand hockey, but, uh, you know, big time in your face hockey when you get on the ice with us. Uh, we, we're a hard-nosed, blue-collar hockey team. Um, you know, we're a bootstrap organization that grinds it out throughout the year. We, we rely heavily on our culture to get us through through the season. Um, you know, we, we understand our core values as an organization, and the guys know that it's their job to uh, defend that culture every single day. And, and then further, you know, playing to our identity, which is going to be, you know, a fast-paced, in-your-face, physical, uh, relentless brand of hockey that, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what's on our roster, um, on paper, you may look at it and sometimes and say, you know, maybe this team might be better than this team on paper. But at the end of the day, um, 
you're going to have to outwork us. You're going to, we're going to be, going to be going for 60 minutes. We're going to come in waves. We're going to get a lot of shots on net. We're going to be willing to block shots. And so you got to be willing to go into the, into the hard areas with us if you want to come out on top. Michael, I always appreciate having you on. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys play again in St. Louis. So safe travels, stay healthy, and we will see you in St. Louis in, gee, just over just over a month now. So best of uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Okay, terrific. I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you so much for, for having me. I'm looking forward to seeing you in St. Louis as well, sir. All right, that's the head coach from the UCO Broncos, Roll Chose, as I like to say, Michael Rivera. We'll be right back to continue the ACHA Top 20 podcast. Okay, we are back. Steven, running short on time, but I know you got some uh, Doug Wakeland comments from the weekend. If you could play those for us, that'd be great. And then I'll queue up Anthony Vigneri-Greener and his uh, comments after Saturday night's uh, victory over UCO. amazing one of the best games we've played all year against a really good opponent and uh, going into a big conference matchup to where we knew we had to come in and play a good game just to get some points out of these guys they're a good team and it was nice having a game to where the team came together and battled the entire way and we were able to pull it out yeah so uh, obviously you just mentioned that but a big rivalry with, with this team uh, with UNLV and, and UCO and uh, did, was that the message going in how important these games were coming in coming into a hostile environment and Maybe the biggest games of the year for you guys, probably. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great test. They're going into the national tournament because we know they're going to be going deep as well because, like I said, they're a good team. And then uh, who knows? Well, there's a good chance we meet them again in nationals. So it's just something to get prepared for. And, and how did you, I mean, how did you feel? Because you, you, you made some great saves. They were they had some moments where they had some really good chances and, and you were able to kind of stop them too. I mean, as you're going along in that kind of a game, do you kind of settle in better and get more comfortable as it, as it goes along? Yeah, something just getting the field of puck quite a bit. It's easier to just get used to the game, but got got really tired. So yeah. it was it was nice in the end. Got a little bit of a few more breaks, but still it helped with the team just battling and getting pucks out and out and keeping it out of the uh, house for me. So, but it's, it was such a fun game. And obviously Sykes is the one that gets the uh, the game winning goal and the empty net goal. I'm just you know he's a guy that's been on this team. He's kind of a guy you can rely on. And so how cool in that moment to get that to get that goal so late in the game too. Oh, absolutely, it's awesome to see him score that goal and just get one in in. And it was very relieving to see us get it up and then get an empty netter was a nice little help too to where just talk up, took off the rest of the uh, pressure going in and it was great seeing him score and just grinding so. You didn't have to t- get it. You're not in regulation too. You didn't have to take it to overtime. So sure, that was a nice thing. Too. Yeah, that was. I don't know. I don't know how much more I would have had going into overtime, but I well, hopefully would have had enough. So I got faith in our team and myself. So I think we would have pulled it out either way. <laughs> Trans- Transparency at it. its finest with Doug Wake. <laughs> I don't know. I got <laughs> He was a great, uh, great guy to talk with, and uh, yeah, 42 saves, uh, a shutout uh, on Friday night, and then was. Really great on Saturday, too, but UNLV was finally able to crack him, which you thought was probably going to come at some point, but you didn't know for sure. And, and but they, uh, you know, playing all those minutes and stuff. But uh, yeah, he was great. But you talked Michael Vera that they have, they have pretty good goaltending all around. So he had, I think it helps that he hasn't been. His totally, workload has been less. Yep. Workload has been less. Yeah. So they haven't had to use him too much. They've been able to use multiple goaltenders this year in, in their season. So uh, that's okay. Nice. All right, let's get to Anthony Vigneri Greener now and what he had to say after yep, Saturday's. We'll go quickly. After Saturday's win. Quit 
but um, UNLV wins the last one of this one. Uh, head coach Anthony Bergeri Greener is with me. Uh, coach, your thoughts on the weekend? That was gritty, the sandpaper. Uh, like I just talked about in this previous interview, you know, that, those are the type of games we want to be in. We prepared for it all week. Um, I told you off camera that uh, I thought last night was our uh, best game in eight years that I've been here. Just uh, we set a standard there, and that's what we're going to try to make the boys uh, play and uphold every night. And uh, you saw glimpses of it tonight, and uh, it paid off. How do you bottle that? How do you bottle that for the national tournament, which is, what, five weeks away? Yeah, I think right now we're, we're playing with our backs against the wall in our league here. It's, it's going to be a tight finish, so every game is a playoff game. So we got to just make sure we're playing structure and sound, playing to our game, and uh, everything else will uh, pan out. Can you put your finger on what led to uh, the performance tonight? Was it the competition? Was it, uh, or this weekend, I should say? Yeah, I think, you know, there's it's a rivalry. Both teams really don't like each other. There's bad blood. And uh, when, if you can't get up for a game like this and a weekend like this, then you're in the wrong program. And I feel like we have uh, the right guys in that room for games like this. What a justice that Jason Demizio does what he does tonight? Yeah, no, he's, uh, you know, he, he had a tough one in that semifinal game where he gets hurt and on a dirty play. But uh, he comes back, scores the game winner, and, uh, He's got the last smile for now. How nice is it to have him back? Uh, you didn't have him the first semester, and they decided to go to grad school, and now he's kind of a, a kind of like picking up a, a, a fresh face, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's a, you know, that man, man versus boys, as they say in the room. It's, he's a big body, speed, you know, his hockey IQ is there. You know, it, it's huge that we had him here for this uh, run to the national tournament. Bradley Gallant doing Bradley Gallant things like he always does, right? Yeah, that top line with Diz. Brad and Max, you know, they, they go. So they go, we go. And uh, you need your top guys scoring all the time to keep you consistent, and uh, they've been doing a great job of that. They have a great goaltender, but you've got a pair, maybe three great goaltenders. Oh, yeah. uh, tell me about Vinny tonight. How good was he? Vinny was unbelievable. Uh, I said in a previous interview, he's a dog. He had a dog mask. He played through a strain in his uh, hamstring there. He uh, fought through it, played pretty, made the saves when we needed to, and, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about him. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate your time. All right. That's Anthony Vigneri Greener telling us uh, about Saturday night's victory. I know we're running really short on time. We got just a couple of minutes left. But, um, man, are you excited for the national tournament, Stephen? Yeah, I am. Like, I, mean, I am excited for the national tournament. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm excited to make my return to, to St. Louis and – See what sort of fun I can get into this year, like I did the two years ago. And fun or trouble? And, uh, <laughs> what's that? Fun or trouble? <laughs> uh, more, more fun, I think. Okay, okay, that's fun. cool. You go down to the uh, you go down to the arch and lock your car very well. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> See if I do those stand-ups that I did the one year where I was at Bush Stadium one morning. One morning I was on by the by the water. One morning I was <laughs> by the outdoor rink, and you know, and or the arch, you know, and one, one morning I went to the Lindenwoods field. Of course, Lindenwoods not going to be in it, so we won't have to worry about going to to the football field. And well, their M two team might be in it. Well, their M two team, yeah, that's true. And the women's <laughs> team will be in it. Yeah, they'll they'll be represented in other in other realms. But but uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be it just it'll be interesting to be back there. I think it's a, it's a great location for it, and and uh, it'll be uh, with twenty four teams, like we said, it'll be. Um, more involved to see it, but uh, UNLV is going to be right there in the mix. Uh, if they played the weekend, they, they played as Anthony Veneer Green said uh, to, to to us off camera, but the, you referenced it in the interview there, that there was the best 
weekend that he has seen them play, best game that he had seen them play that Friday game, even though they had lost 2 nothing, uh, And they played pretty good Saturday too. But, yeah, so if they play like they played like that, um, I think that's what we've been waiting for. That's that's the potential for this team to actually win the ACHA. We, we, we've seen how good this roster's been. We've seen how good they can be. But uh, they they look like maybe they if they can just keep it together like that, bottle that up, that performance, that game, uh, going forward and in the national tournament, they they could be they certainly could achieve what they've been wanting to do, which is win a national title. And, and Central Oklahoma is going to be right in the mix too because uh, they're they're one of the top teams as well, and they play very well. And and of course, we're in the, the championship game two seasons ago. We lost to Lindenwood, so um, you know they're they're certainly a team that has the experience and, and capable. Uh, of doing it too so uh that's great because we're close to both these teams so uh makes yep. it better for us <laughs> we have two teams that have a real shot all right let me team. let me give a quick rundown of the uh, top 10 teams before you go into the read and wrap it up for us uh minot state number one adrian two central oklahoma three nevada las vegas four liberty five ohio six jamestown seven maryville eight Niagara nine and you Mary, the, the two-time defending champion at the acha d2 level is holding down number 10, and uh, this is ranking number 13, so take it away, my friend. Yeah, from the nchc.tv studios, this is the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 podcast presented by IceTimeHockeyWest.com. Liberty University, bring your faith in your game to the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast. See us at liberty.edu. Uh, behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com with three Valley locations and across the country at BehindTheMask.com. We keep you supplied with all of the gear you need all season long. University of Central Oklahoma, first class experience on and off the ice. For more information, go to uco.edu or ucohockey.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, lunch, catering, dining in or out, or just getting our award-winning barbecue sauce, we're at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. UNLV Hockey, follow the Skate and Rebels Championship quest. For schedule and ticket information, go to rebelhockey.com. FedEx, ship, manage, track, deliver. The official delivery company of Ice Time Hockey West. Adrian College, championship hockey culture at a nationally rated small private school. Education, adrianbulldogs.com. Maryville Women's Hockey. Go to maryvillesaints.com for schedule and ticket information. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos with Caesars Rewards. Members can enjoy rates as low as $10 a room. University of Arizona Hockey. Visit arizonawildcathockey.org and become part of one of the West's most historic hockey programs. Jets Pizza, lunch, dinner, and catering as well at jetspizza.com. University of Mary, new league, new level, same goal. Visit us at goyoumary.com. The Tag Creative Group, have us create that one-of-a-kind gift for you or someone special. Go to redbubble.com and search T-Grand Run. Oklahoma University Hockey, the action you crave, only faster at ouhockey.net. The American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast is a part of the IceTimeHockeyWest.com network and is live every week on the Podbean app. And is available on your favorite podcast platform at ITHSW Podcast, all one word. Again, search ITHSW Podcast, all one word. Subscribe, rate, and review any of our podcasts to help others find the show. I should want to go back to something I said. Uh, I, you know, I'm hoping being St. Louis, I'm hoping that I'm going to have help this year with the uh, national tournament. Uh, uh, but we know sometimes how things work in the life of Scott, so uh, I'll be prepared either way if I have to man it alone or if I have, if you'll be there to uh, help me along with some of this stuff. Oh, I think Scott mute, forgot to unmute himself again, but uh, yes. Uh, but uh, either way, it'll be uh, exciting, but uh, that that's going to do it. Uh, 
If Scott will remember to unmute himself. Oh, I'm back. Song, I'm back. We'll say I'm good. back. There you, you are. You'll okay. have some help. Don't worry. You'll have some help. <laughs> uh, let's uh, take a night for a little ride to find the Peacemakers De Niro. I was ready to finish the show on my own. I was going to just <laughs> get prepared now. <laughs> We're out of time, but a big thank you to Michael Rivera, Anthony McNeary Greener, and Doug Wakeland for joining us on this week's episode of the American Collegiate Hockey Top 20 Podcast. Good night, everybody.